your pastors, Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal, they are one in a million, aren't they? Yes. We, in our ministry, we've been in ministry for almost maybe 35, 36 years now. And we have met many pastors, many leaders, but I must say they are above and beyond all of those because not only are they pastors of integrity, which is so hard to find nowadays, what you see in the pulpit is not always what you see at home, but isn't it true? What you see in the pulpit, you see at home with them, right? But also I've never met another pastor and a wife that loves their people as much as they love them. Isn't it true when you go to their house, all your pictures are on their walls? <laughs> How much more can they love you? They don't see you enough here. They got to bring you home. <laughs> and I really treasure them. I really thank God for them because they are kingdom minded and they're not concerned with my little territory. Are they? Give them a big clap. As I said... <laughs> As I said, it is a privilege to be here tonight, and I'm excited to see what the Lord has for each of us as we look into his word. We're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20, and we're just going to read verses 3 and 4. Um, I know you might have a different translation up there. Let me read my translation. You can follow along with whatever translation. I'm sorry, I didn't um, specify which translation I was reading from. Deuteronomy 20 three and four. And he shall say to them, hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you because indeed you do go before us. You do fight against those who try to come against us. You are with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. And I thank you that you don't just drop us into this battle all on our own, that you stay with us all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in a battle. It says here you're on the verge of a battle, but you know what? This was written so long ago. We're already in the battle, okay? And I think you all know it. You have enemies. I think a lot of you have been in the military, you know, armed forces at some time or another. And when you are and when you're fighting out there, you need to know who your enemy is, don't you? And there's, uh, that's why guerrilla warfare is so difficult because it's difficult to know who is the real enemy. And that's why when you come against terrorism, it's so difficult because you're trying to figure out, okay, who's the real enemy? Well, in our case, we know who the enemy is. And what else do we know about him? He's a liar. And what does he do from the beginning in the Garden of Eden? What did he do? He twists the word of God, doesn't he? He tries to make us question God's goodness. And he didn't change. When he met Jesus in the wilderness to tempt Jesus, what did he do? He tried to twist the word of God. He tried to get Jesus to somehow not do what God wanted him to do. And in fact, when Jesus said, it is written, guess what the devil did the next time when he came back? He says, it is written. The devil used that. It is written. 
So don't tell me. Some people have come to me and told me it is written. And I said, sorry, not in my book. Because let me tell you this. What the enemy likes to do is pull verses out of context. Instead of looking at the full counsel of the Bible. And so that's why it's so important for us. If we're really in this battle, it's so important for us that we need to stand on the word of God. We need to know what the word of God is. So that if the enemy tries to come and lie to us, we will know how to respond to the enemy. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. That's a done deal. But guess what? Even though Jesus has already defeated the enemy, the enemy would like to come and try to deceive us and make us think he's not been defeated. And that's why it's important for us not to relinquish territory to the enemy. This territory especially. Because that's his battleground up here. He loves to come and put thoughts in our mind. He loves to come and play different records for us up in our mind. And when he does, we should not give him the time of day. Is that correct? Because if we do give him the time of day, we are not going to win this battle. So there's instructions that were given in this portion of scripture in Deuteronomy. And we're going to look carefully at these instructions for battle. Number one, do not be afraid. And that word, when you look it up, it said do not, it means don't allow. That means we have a choice. We have a choice to be afraid or not. And that word afraid, it is actually unadulterated fear. That's the word that's used there for being afraid. How many times does it say fear not or some form of fear not in the Bible? I'm sure you've heard this. 365. It may not be exactly fear not, but it's like, you know, don't be scared. Don't be anxious. You know, some sort of form. 365 times. Why do you think the Lord had to tell us that so many times? Because that's one of the biggest tools of the enemy, isn't it? And we see here, why do we not need to be afraid? It's found at the end of verse 3 and the beginning of verse 4. What is it? It says here at the end of verse 3, it says, do not be afraid, dismayed, tremble, terrified because of them. So in other words, don't let your perspective. You're looking be at the enemy. Don't let your vision be on the enemy, but rather in verses for the Lord, your God. So that's what needs to happen. A change of perspective. Rather than we look at our enemy, we look at the Lord. He becomes lifted up and that's when we won't need to feel afraid. What does fear make you do? Fear makes you small. Fear makes you shrink back. If I'm afraid of what people will say, then I stop wanting to speak. I become silent, right? If I'm afraid that I'm going to make a mistake, I stop doing, don't I? If I'm afraid that someone is going to criticize me or someone is going to make fun of me, I'm frozen. I don't want to do anything. If I'm afraid of getting hurt, what do you do? If you're afraid of getting hurt by other people, what do you do? You close yourself off. You build a wall, don't you? That is not what the Lord wants for us. 
He says, do not be afraid. He wants us to enlarge, go out. It says in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out all fear. It says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, fear, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So this is my question. When the devil comes and tries to put fear on you, why do you entertain it? If you know it's not from God. We have to be firm. Right? We can't mollycoddle it. Right? We can't be like, oh, it's okay. Come on in. Let's have a tea-tea. No. We have to be firm and against it. Fear makes us stop from going forward with what we need to do in life. And in 2021, no. We cannot stop from moving forward. We have to move forward. Right? If anything, 2020 taught me is the devil is the mastermind of fear. In 2020, he tried to bring fear in so many forms. And I watched people that I thought they were brave and everything just begin to cower. And I was like, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, my whole life, I can't do anything anymore. And I'm like, why? And since January of 2020 to January of 2021, my life has not changed. Unfortunately, I'm an essential worker because when somebody dies, I can't say, sorry, (laughs) go ahead and bury them yourself. I'm the pastor's wife. I've got to go and comfort them, hug them, care for them. You know, when someone is depressed, I got to go and sit with them and talk to them and whatever. Zoom calls not going to cut it because they're going to need me to pat them on their back. Right. Do not fear. Do not fear. The Lord is with us. The Lord, look, he knows, he's told us the enemy's there, but he said, guess what? I'm the bigger one. I don't know if any of you know the guy Jesse Duplantis or something his name is or something. I heard a story one time that he told. It was the cutest thing when he was a little boy. He got into a big trouble with his neighbor, broke their window or something. Well, that guy came out with a shotgun. And he's, you know, threatening little Jesse. And he he was just shivering in his boots, you know, and he didn't know what to do. And suddenly he sees the guy start to lower his gun and he's like, oh. And he looks over his shoulder and there's his mom with a shotgun bigger than that guy's shotgun. (laughs) And suddenly Jesse said he got really like, yeah, yeah, come on, you know, just do it. You know, I laughed so hard because the example he was giving is, that our God is has a bigger shotgun than the enemy. And some of us were looking this way. And we didn't look over our shoulder to see that God is with us. And he is standing by us. And he knows exactly what we need. Now, am I saying that fear will not attack you? Believe me, the devil, he doesn't, he doesn't play games. Uh, you know, he doesn't take a vacation. So he's he wants to send fear our way. But the key is we know that the Lord is on our side. A year or so ago, we were in Lebanon, and they had just gone through some very severe riots. I'm sure you saw it on the news. And in fact, we go every year, and this particular year, the riots were so bad that many of our friends, strong Christians, they were saying, don't go, don't go, it's going to be dangerous. And of course, the people there were like, please come, we need you. And so Pastor Ong said, I'm going to pray and see what the Lord says. So he prayed and God said, go. 
So we got on that plane. When we got on the plane, they, it was terrible. The streets, we were even wondering how are we going to get from the airport to where we're going. But we landed and there our party was meeting us and they said, guess what? They've done a ceasefire. Praise God. So we were there for one week. We had our meetings. We drove around. I mean, you could see the remnants of what had happened. It was very bad, but we, we just felt the most peace that we had ever felt there in all our trips. And so it comes to the Sunday night and we're supposed to be leaving at 3 a.m. on Monday morning, the next morning to go to the airport. 10.30, I heard it. I was in the living room and I hear sounds. It's riots. You can't mistake the sound of a riot. You can't mistake the sound of an unruly crowd. I have been in riots. I have been in fatal, terrible riots before. I have looked at the wrong end of a gun too many times in my life. So I know what this feels like. And immediately I was like, Oh Lord, how are we going to go to the airport? So I thought, well, maybe I'm just imagining it. You know, all the doors are closed. So I opened the balcony door. Sure enough, I'm hearing gunshots. I'm hearing, you know, I'm looking and I'm seeing fires. I call up the person who's supposed to be bringing us to the airport the next morning. I said, what's going on? They said, eh ceasefire stopped it's full blown everything the roads to the airport will be stopped we don't know what to do let's just pray that somehow it stops before 3 a.m in the morning my husband bless his bless his heart nothing I, i i have lived with him through earthquakes through hurricanes through everything he this man never gets afraid at all So I run into the room. I go, honey, honey, you know, do you hear it? And he goes, honey, God told us to come. So either he's going to get us back to the airport or we're going to die and go to heaven. Either way, I'm going to sleep. (laughs) So he goes to sleep. And the fear was starting to come because for those of you who've had PTSD, you know, you know how that is. When you've lived through certain experiences, certain sounds, certain environments will trigger it off. And it it started to try to like want to capture my heart, you know, to like start to make me feel that feeling where you start, you know, feel cold inside where the cold's not coming from the outside. It's down in your bones and you chatter. You don't know why you're chattering, you know, that kind of thing. And it started to come on me and I'm just, in Jesus name father you said for us to come you said you'll be with us and like my husband said if on the way to the airport we get shot and we die we're going to go to be with you so let me sleep now like a baby it was amazing until 3 a.m., we're on our way to the airport. We're in this cab, and then they're using this walkie-talkie to phone ahead, and they're going through these side streets, and things are burning, and we're hearing, and I just felt peace the whole way. And the guy's going, okay, we're going to have to go down this road. I said, don't tell us. Just do it. Just go wherever. At one point, he says, I'm sorry, we're going to have to go through Hezbollah territory because that's going to be safest because there's no fighting there. Go. I don't care. Hezbollah, whatever. ISIS, just go. Get us to the airport. And we made it to the airport. Is our God not good? He is good. It says, do not be faint-hearted. Do not be faint-hearted. You know that word says, to be weary or feel like giving up. Wow. 
A lot of you are like, oh, that's me. You sometimes feel like you're a punching bag, like you're being pulverized. Like just when you came up from one thing, you get another thing and you think, I just can't take it another day. That's what the enemy wants to do. A lot of times he doesn't use the blaring of the fear, but he just wants to wear us down. He just wants to wear us down. But the Lord said, do not faint. Do not, do not be worn down. But you know, he doesn't, this is the wonderful thing about God. He doesn't just say, don't do this, don't do that. Just pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and do it by yourself. No, he gives us the provision so that we don't have to faint. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. So when we've grown weary of loss, he gives us an abundance of supply. If we've grown weary with betrayal, he will give us an abundance of acceptance and approval. When we have grown weary of sickness and disease, he gives us his healing. When we've grown weary with temptation, he brings his victory. When we've grown weary in our battles, he brings courage and strength so we can take one more step. And when we've grown weary in our sadness, he brings us joy, even in the midst of that. I'm not just talking like theoretically. Have you been in meetings where you hear people preach and that's good, but it's too difficult. How are we going to be able to do that? I'm talking practice. Not just for people that have been to seminary, but for those of us who are living day in and day out with washing machines that break down when you least expect it. And then your pipe bursts on that same day. And then your your car motor goes out on you. It's just like one thing after another. That's the Lord that I serve that's able to bring me through that and not let me get faint hearted. My mom lost my brother her son, her eldest son in 218. And then in 219, she lost my dad. And so people were kind of like, Pastor Seward, what she's going to, what Margaret Seward, what's she going to do? You know, she's old, you know, maybe she's just going to sit with a shawl and give up on life. Then COVID hit in 2020, right? She is the type of woman, she's never asked for a meeting in her life. But if you need to book her, it'll take you three years to book her. So people were wondering, okay, 2020, no COVID. She can't fly to places. What's going to happen? I kid you not, from 2020 until now, she's been booked solid the whole time. Doing what? Zoom. Zoom classrooms. This two weeks, she's been teaching from 8 a.m. to 1 PM every day on Zoom with all her students on Zoom. She does pre-recorded messages for Australia, New Zealand, uh, Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, India. I mean, she, wherever people ask her, they say, please, can you pre-record a message and send it? She does live streaming for some of the churches in Singapore. Now Singapore's opened up to phase three. She goes and preaches on Sunday. I'm like, mom, you just taught all week and now you're going to preach. She started YouTube channel in the middle, the middle of 2020. She has 742 followers. My mom turns 90 years old on January 17th. She is not faint hearted. 
She does not give up. She said, hey, I'm going strong. When I tell her, mom, you're going to retire? Why? Are people going to hell? I said, yeah. She goes, then I'm not retiring because they still need to hear about Jesus. Each of us, the Lord gives that strength. Not in ourself. If we try to do it in ourself, we'll fall flat on our backs. We need him and his strength. It says, do not tremble. The word tremble means to panic, but it actually means to not be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. How many of you have made a decision in a hurry and lived to regret it? My hand is up there like, whoa. That's what the enemy will try to do. He tries to get us to tremble. Oh, I have to do it now. I have to, I have to make this investment. I have to get married. I have to do this. I have to sleep with this girl. Oh, you know, I have to, I have to. No. What does the word of God say? Take time to see what the word of God says. Don't let the panic set in. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Right? Don't be anxious for anything. Allow him. What does he do? He gives us rest. If we look at Psalm 46, verse 10, it tells us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And in Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Wait, wait on the Lord. Don't, don't allow the enemy to use that tool of causing you to tremble. But rather say, okay, I'm going to wait and find out what God wants me to do. When those anxious thoughts, they will come. I'm not saying they won't come. When they do come, when those panic thoughts come, don't invite them in for a cup of tea. Come, let's sit down. Let's discuss this scary thought we're having together. Do you know when that scary thought comes, I say, get out in the name of Jesus. I don't even give it a second chance to be having. I don't even want to analyze it. I wonder what the root of that thought is. In Jesus' name, that thought can go and any root that's attached to it, go to. I'm not going to have a conversation with it. Get out. That's all. And that's our authority. Because Christ, he died to give us that authority. We have authority over the enemy. But he's tried to lie to us and make us think that we don't have the authority. And we do. It says, another thing here, it says, do not be terrified. That word means tremble, but it also has a deeper meaning of being oppressed. Wow, that's strong, isn't it? To be oppressed, to be pushed down. How many of you been oppressed by other people's comments? Other people's opinions. Somebody just told me recently that they were, you know, starting to lead some kind of worship in the church that they were in. And somebody on the worship team says, you shouldn't sing. Your voice sounds too deep. And then she wanted to quit singing. And she calls me up and I'm like, hello, (laughs) did God tell you that? Tell that person to go and fly a kite. They're probably jealous of you or something. No. You do not give in to that. Do not be oppressed. It says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The enemy loves to use our minds to cause us to, 
you know, to be pushed down. But God's word will raise you up. And that's why it's important for us to dig into the word of God. To be strengthened by the word of God. And I've been seeing it. I follow you guys on your, you know, all the Twitter, Instagram. I don't know what all you have. But you have everything. I try to follow you on everything. And I've been seeing this thing. Have you read your word today? Have you read your word today? And that's so important. It's not just a routine thing to do. It's our life. We need to read the word. We need to dig into the word. We need to have it be a part of us. Because then when the enemy comes and attacks us, we're able to withstand what he has to say. As I said at the beginning, the enemy will love to twist the word of God. And that is why we need to know the pure, unadulterated word of God. Two things, basically, the entire word of God. It's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Soul, mind, body, everything, with everything you have. That means nothing in your life should come above God. That means even if you have a desire that you want to do, if it is not in God's word, you say, no, I submit to you, God. Any decisions you have, anything that you want to do, everything comes into submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's it. Pure and simple. It's so easy. It's so simple. And people want to complicate it. Well, I'm not sure if the Greek word really means that. So maybe God says it's okay. I, uh, my husband and I sat with someone a few weeks ago that were trying to explain to us that all the theologians have been wrong and he has now written his own paper and because God said it's okay for him to be in his sin. We're like, okay, go ahead, try it. See how that's going to work, right? That's what the devil wants you to believe. But God does not do that. He's very plain. He's very clear. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know how you can love your neighbor as yourself? Tell them about Jesus. I hear a lot of people wanting to feed the poor and those are all good things. Help your neighbors do all that, but you can help feed and do everything. But if you haven't told them about Jesus, they're going to suffer for all eternity and that will be on your shoulders. I know pastor Jay's a fireman. What if he went to a house that was burning one day and he saw somebody up there that was burning up there and he began to sing a nice, beautiful song for them? Oh, you're going to be fine. And when someone came and said to Pastor Jay, aren't you going to go and save them? Well, they're not ready yet. They, they need, they need to get to know me a little more. And once they know me, If they haven't burnt to a crisp yet, then maybe I will rescue them. You know, that's some of us what we do, isn't it? That's what some of us do. We, We allow the enemy to intimidate us. We don't want to make everybody feel uncomfortable by talking about the Lord. We were buying something the other day and the salesman, we said, do you go to church? And he goes, oh, no, uh, Christmas, um, Easter, yeah, no. Where are you living? He said, I've just moved to Auburn. 
Faith in Victory Church. We even sent your, we said, we said, best church ever. You need to go. And before I got home, he had already emailed and said he checked it out. And he goes, I think my wife and I, I don't know if he's visited yet, but I hope he will visit because he said, I really liked what I saw. Lots of good reviews. That's what he said. So then I went to check our website, our Google thing, and we had one Google review, and I told all the elders and everything, what are you guys, how come no one's making reviews on ours? (laughs) But, you know, the devil does that. He wants to try to convince us that we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. I'd rather make someone feel uncomfortable here on earth than for them to be uncomfortable for all eternity. Many, many, many years ago, I was in Kuching, East Malaysia, and I was with a team and we were helping to start a church. And so I was in charge of renting the house. There was a pilot that was going to be posted to a different part of Malaysia. And so he wanted to rent out his house. So on the day that we were signing the documents, a few of the team members were there. We signed the documents. And I said to him in closing, I said, by the way, do you know Jesus? He says, I have no idea who's this Jesus. So one of the men on the team began to tell him about the Lord, just a very short salvation message. And when it was over, I said to him, would you like to pray and accept Jesus? He said, well, let me think about it. So we were just going to leave it. But something inside me was like, you need to kind of ask him again. So I said, what do you need to think about? And he goes, well, I just want to think about it. So I said, do you believe what we just told you? Like, as we were telling you, did you believe? He goes, yeah, yeah, I believe. So then, but I want to think about it. So I could see everybody in my group was starting to get uncomfortable. (laughs) And if you know me, Pastor Crystal knows me. I'm not someone that would do this. I don't, I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. But it was like the Holy Spirit was just nagging at me. So I said, okay, sir, you said you believe. You said you believe what we said. But yet you say you need to think about it. But I don't know what you need to think about if you believe. (laughs) So he scratches his head and he goes, you're right. I said, so would you like to accept Jesus? And he said, yes, I would. So he prays, he prays the sinner's prayer and, and we pray over him and I find out where he's going. So I tell him a few churches in that area, you need to get hooked up. It's not enough just to believe you need to be with the body of believers. He flies out the next day. We never see him again. Three days later, someone on my team comes to me. In fact, I will mention it was the only American person on the team. The rest were all Asians. And this particular American person comes to me and they go, I'm really upset with you. And I said, why? Because that was wrong. What you did to that man, you pressurized him into believing. I said, I'm sorry. I I felt it was like the Holy Spirit telling me, no, and you made all of us feel uncomfortable and we were uncomfortable and you, oh, whoa, I, And I felt so bad after that. In fact, it affected me for a number of years after that. If I would get with someone, if I would want to tell them about Jesus, I'd kind of feel like maybe I shouldn't. You know, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Fast forward 35 years, 34 years, give or take. I'm in a church in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Now this church 
if you ever go to KL, you have to visit this church. It's the most organized church in the world. The people, they have these little walkie-talkie things on their wrists and they'll go, Pressure Long and Pressure Connie are coming. Move. Everybody move from the, move from the elevator. Everybody out. Okay. Okay. Now they're coming this way. Okay. Make room. Make room. You know? <laughs> so, and they'd have my husband preaching in one hall because they had a huge church. So my husband's in one hall. I'm in one hall. After the first service, they would switch us. And they wanted us to pray for as many people would come up for the altar call. So there I am. And I'm praying for all these people after my service. And you can see these like guard people. They're like, okay, she's taking a long time. Okay, uh, uh, get, get ready, get ready, you know. And everybody finally is gone. And there's this one man that won't leave. And you could see they're like, get, you know, move this side. But I turn around and I say, I think he wants to talk to me. Oh, no, no, no. We have to get you up to the next service. And your husband's coming down for this one. I said, I think he wants to talk to me. So I go to him. I say, yes, sir. Can I help you? And he goes, do you remember me? And I said, no, I'm sorry, sir. Meet so many people. I'm sorry. I don't recognize you. He goes, Kuching, I was the pilot. You rented my house. And then I said, oh, of course I recognize you. And he said, I have always wanted to meet you to thank you for that day. He said, for all these years, I've been serving God. And he said, when I found out you were coming today, he said, I couldn't wait because I wanted to thank you that I didn't miss even one minute in all these 30 odd years from knowing Christ. I tell you. You talk about bawling. I was bawling. I could hardly make it to the next service because I said, God, forgive me for ever questioning when your Holy Spirit tells me to tell someone about you because I saw proof of someone whose life was changed and not one minute was wasted because I was willing to make a fool of myself. And that is what we need to do. Stand on his word, not on the enemy's word. We need to make sure that we rise up in the freedom God has given us and we feed on his word and we stand on his word. And no matter what the enemy brings our way, whether it's fear, whether it's timidity, whether it's terrifiedness, no matter what it is, trembling, no matter what it is. Fight him off with his word. I would encourage you all to stand up now. Make that pledge in your heart. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.